Part two of Chapter Eleven of My Days and Dreams by Edward Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Talking about their place in the world of letters, some of my books have, I fear, puzzled the public by their titles. Iolus has been much of an offender in this way. The uncertainty as to who or what Iolus might be the difficulty of knowing how to spell the word and the impossibility of pronouncing it proved at one time such obstacles that they quite adversely affected the sales on one occasion i received a telegram from a firm asking me to send at once two hundred oil cans my puzzlement was great as i had indeed never embarked in the oil trade nor in my wildest dreams thought of doing so till suddenly it flashed upon me that the message having had to pass through a rustic post office had been transformed on the way and the romantic friend and companion of hercules had been turned into a paraffin tin after that i modified the title so as to avoid any such sacrilege in the future coming back to towards democracy again i do not know that i have ever seen a very serious estimate or criticism of that book in any well-known literary paper like others of my works it has come into the literary sheepfold not through the accepted gate but in some other way like a thief or a robber it has been generally ignored as already explained by the guardians of the gate yet it has quietly and decisively established itself and the sheep somehow have taken kindly to the robber and perhaps the matter is best so a book of that kind is not easy to criticize it cannot be dispatched by a snap phrase it does not belong to any distinct class or school its form is open to question its message is at once too simple and too intricate for public elucidation even if really understood by the interpreter that it should go its own way quietly neither applauded by the crowd nor barked at by the dogs but knocking softly here and there at a door and finding friendly hospitality is surely the most gracious and satisfying destiny but though the ignoring by the critics of towards democracy has seemed natural and proper i confess i have been somewhat surprised by their non-recognition or non-discussion of the questions dealt with in the other books because as i have said these books are on a different plane from towards democracy they deal with theories or views which flow as i think perfectly logically from the central idea of towards democracy just as the different views or aspects of a mountain flow perfectly logically from the mountain fact itself we cannot discuss the central idea but we can discuss the aspects because they come within the range of intellectual apprehension and definition if the world it seems to me 
should ever seize the central fact of such books as leaves of grass and towards democracy it must inevitably formulate new views of life on almost every conceivable subject the aspects of all life will be changed and the discussion and definition of these views ought to be extraordinarily interesting it is therefore surprising i say that no serious discussion of the underlying or implicit assumptions of these two books has yet taken place it is true of course that today the world is witnessing a strange change of attitude on almost all questions and a vague feeling after the new aspects to which i am alluding but it does not concatenate these views on to any central fact and therefore cannot deal with them adequately or effectively it is as if people having taken drawings of a hitherto undiscovered mountain from many different sides and comparing them together should not realize that it is the same mountain which they have been observing all the time and that there is a unity and a reality there which will explain and concatenate all the outlines i say it is a little disappointing that this point has not yet been reached because it would make the discussion and definition of the new views so wonderfully interesting on the other hand it is obvious that in the midst of the enormous output and rush of modern literature critics generally have thrown up the sponge and are content to get through their works perfunctorily or as best they can without the added labor of tackling or attempting to tackle a great new synthesis the attempt made a quarter of a century ago in civilization its cause and cure to define the characteristics of modern civilization and to show the civilization period as a distinct stage in social evolution destined to pass away and to be succeeded by a later stage of which later stage even now some of the features may be indicated has never as far as i know been seriously taken up and worked out the socialists of course have certain views on the subject but they are limited to the economic field and do not by any means cover the whole ground and various doctrinaire sets and sects are nibbling at the problem from different sides but a real statement and investigation of the whole question and a linking of it up to the deepest spiritual facts would obviously be absorbingly interesting i first read the paper which bears the above name at the fabian society question mark in eighteen eighty eight and needless to say it was jeered at on all sides but since then somehow a change has come and even sidney webb and bernard shaw who most attacked me at the time have ceased to use the word civilization in its old optimistic and mid-victorian sense what we want now 
is a real summing up and settling of what the word connotes both from the historical point of view and with regard to the future another paper in the same book which shocked a good many of my cambridge friends was my criticism of modern science the victorian age glorified modern science not only in respect of its patient and assiduous observation of facts which everyone allows but also on account of the supposed laws of nature which it had discovered and which were accounted immutable and everlasting a light arising from some quite other source convinced me that this infallibility of the scientific laws was an entire illusion i had been brought up on mathematics and physical science i had lectured for years on the latter but now the reaction set in and rather rudely and crudely it must be confessed i turned on my old teacher to rend her i published in eighteen eighty five and in manchester a shilling pamphlet called modern science a criticism and sent it round to my mathematical and scientific friends i think most of them thought i had gone daft but after all the whirligig of time has brought its revenge and the inevitable evolution of human thought has done its work and now one may ask where are the airy fairy laws and theories of the science of the last century the great stores of observations and facts are certainly there and so are the marvellous applications of these things to practical life but where are the immutable laws where are the clean-cut systems of the families and species of plants and animals where is boyle's law of gases where the stability of the planetary orbits where the permanence and indestructibility of the atom where is the theory of gravitation where the theory of light the theory of electricity the law of supply and demand in political economy of natural selection in biology of the fixity of the elements in chemistry or the succession of the strata in geology all gone into the melting pot and quickly losing their outlines it is true that in the great brew which is being thus formed rags and chunks of the old laws of nature are still discernible but no one supposes they are there for long and on all sides it is obvious that the scientific world is giving up the search for them and the expectation in the face of such things as radium hertzian waves karyokinesis and so forth of ever reconstituting science again on the old victorian basis these fixed laws it is pretty evident and the remaining debris will melt away till out of the seething brew something entirely different and unexpected emerges and that will be yes what indeed out of such a cauldron might be expected to emerge a strange and wonderful figure a living form yet the curious thing is 
that while this process of the dissolution of scientific theory is going on before our eyes and on all sides no one seems to be aware of it at any rate no one sums it up gives it outline and definition or tackles its meaning and result tolstoy was pleased with the attacks on modern science contained in civilization its cause and cure wrote to me about it and had the chapter printed in russian with a preface by himself but his point of view was that science being a serious enemy to religion anything which bombarded and crippled science would help to free religion that was not my point of view i do not regard science or rather intellectualism as the foe of religion but more as a stage which has to be passed through on the way to a higher order of perception or consciousness which might possibly be termed religion only the word religion is too vague to be very applicable here another airy castle which is obviously fading away before our eyes is that of the quotes, laws of morality the whole structure of civilization morality is being rapidly undermined the moral aspects of property commerce class relations sex relations marriage patriotism and so forth are shifting like dissolving views nietzsche has scorched up the old christian altruism bernard shaw has burned the decalogue yet in this country and according to our custom we jog along and pretend not to see what is happening no body of people faces out the situation or attempts to foretell its future the ethical society professes to substitute ethics for religion as a basis of social life yet never once has it informed us what it means by ethics the law courts go mumbling on over ancient measures of right and wrong which the man in the street has long ago discarded much less has any group attempted to foreshadow the new morality and concatenate it on to the great root fact of existence in my defense of criminals a criticism of morality one of the chapters in civilization its cause and cure i gave an outline and an indication of what was happening and of the way out into the future but that paper as far as i know has never been seriously discussed nevertheless under the surface new ideas are forming the lines of the coming life are spreading the book civilization first published by sonnenschein in eighteen eighty nine has had a good circulation and been translated into many languages though somewhat hastily and crudely put together yet owing to a certain elan about it and probably largely owing to the fact that it gives expression to the main issues above mentioned it has been well received one idea which runs all through the book namely that of there being three great stages of consciousness 
the simple consciousness of the animal or of primitive man the self-consciousness of the civilized or intellectual man and the mass consciousness or cosmic consciousness of the coming man is only roughly sketched there but is developed more fully in the art of creation it is of course deeply germane to towards democracy and though we may not yet be in a position to define the conception very exactly still it is quite evident i think that some such evolution into a further order of consciousness is the key to the future and that many eons to come of human progress will be ruled by it dr richard buck by the publication in 1901 of his book cosmic consciousness made a great contribution to the cause of humanity the book was a bit casual hurried doctrinaire unliterary and so forth but it brought together a mass of material and did the inestimable service of being the first to systematically consider and analyze the subject strangely here again we find that his book though always spreading and circulating about the world beneath the surface has elicited no serious recognition or response from the accredited authorities philosophers psychologists and so forth and the subject with which it deals is in such circles practically ignored though in comparatively unknown coteries it may be warmly discussed so the world goes on the real expanding vital forces being always beneath the surface and hidden as in a bud while the accepted forms and conclusions are little more than a very colored husk waiting to be thrown off relating itself closely and logically with the idea one of the three stages of consciousness is that two of the Barclian view of matter the idea that matter in itself is an illusion being only a film between soul and soul called matter when the film is opaque to the perceiving soul but called mind when the latter sees through to the intelligence behind it and these stages again relate logically to the idea three of the universal or omnipresent self the art of creation was written to give expression to these three ideas and the natural deductions from them the doctrine of the universal self is obviously fundamental and it is clear that once taken hold of and adopted it must inevitably revolutionize all our views of morality since current morality is founded on the separation of self from self and must revolutionize too all our views of science such matters as the transmutation of chemical elements the variation of biological species the unity of health the unity of disease our views of political economy and psychology production for use instead of for profit communism telepathy the relation between psychology and physiology 
and so forth must take on quite a new complexion when the idea which lies at the root of them is seized this idea must enable us to understand the continuity of man with the protozoa the relation of the physiological centers on the one hand to the individual man and on the other to the race from which he springs the meaning of reincarnation and the physical conditions of its occurrence it must have eminently practical applications as in the bringing of the races of the world together the gradual evolution of a non-governmental form of society the communalization of land and capital the freeing of woman to equality with man the extension of the monogamic marriage into some kind of group alliance the restoration and full recognition of the heroic friendships of greek and primitive times and again in the sturdy simplification and debarrassment of daily life by the removal of those things which stand between us and nature between ourselves and our fellows by plain living friendship with the animals open-air habits fruitarian food and such degree of nudity as we can reasonably attain to these mental and social changes and movements and many others which are all around us waiting for recognition will clearly when they ripen constitute a revolution in human life deeper and more far-reaching than any which we know of belonging to historical times even any one of them worked out practically would be fatal to most of our existing institutions together they would form a revolution so great that to call it a mere extension or outgrowth of civilization would be quite inadequate rather we must look upon them as the preparation for a stage entirely different from and beyond civilization to tackle these things in advance to prepare for them study them understand them is clearly absolutely necessary it is a duty which however burked or ignored for a time will soon be forced upon us by the march of events and it is a duty which cannot effectively be fulfilled piecemeal but only by regarding all these separate movements of the human mind and of society as part and parcel of one great underlying movement one great new disclosure of the human soul my little covey of books dating from towards democracy has been hatched mainly for the purpose of giving expression to these and other various questions which raised in my mind by the writing of towards democracy demanded clearer statement than they could find there towards democracy came first as a vision so to speak and a revelation as a great body of feeling and intuition which i had to put into words as best i could it carried with it as a flood carries trees and rocks from the mountains where it originates all sorts of assumptions and conclusions afterwards 
for my own satisfaction as much as for the sake of others i had to examine and define these assumptions and conclusions that was the origin of my prose writings most of them of england's ideal civilization the art of creation love's coming of age the intermediate sex the drama of love and death angel's wings non-governmental society a visit to vignani and so forth they like the questions they deal with have led a curious underground life in the literary world spreading widely as a matter of fact yet not on the surface like old moles they have worked away unseen and unobserved yet in such a manner as to throw up heaps here and there and in the most unlikely places and bring back friends to me on all sides lovely and beautiful friends for whom i cannot sufficiently thank them end of chapter eleven